0: If one had not experienced it, it would be hard to understand how a dead man out of a book can be almost a member of one's family circle. From a letter by C.S. Lewis to his brother, 18th of December,
1: 1939. This is Epigraph. I'm
0: Ted. And I'm Maria. And today we are talking about friendship from a particular angle. I started thinking about whether it is possible to have a a true friendship that's one-sided, where one person doesn't actually even know the other. Um, in the context of a couple different things, Ted, you have sometimes talked about these parasocial relationships that people develop with... Um, you know, celebrities or mm-hmm. people that they follow on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. Incidentally, according to Wikipedia, um, with podcasters, uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where,
1: this the, isn't from personal experience.
0: Right? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> where the people feel like they have an actual relationship with the person that the, they're following, and they, you know, they know all the details of their personal lives and that kind of thing, and they feel like they have a friend in that person. And I hear about that and generally think, well, that doesn't sound very healthy. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it more in terms of someone that you really feel like you know because you've read everything that they've written or you've read about them. Mm-hmm. And it could be someone who's no longer even alive. And and that doesn't strike me as unhealthy in the same way instinctively, which made me think there's probably a lot more nuance here than I was starting with. Yes, so I'd certainly. like to, I'd like to probably talk about it in two different stages. One, in that kind of relationship, what makes it healthy? What crosses mm-hmm, the line? Mm-hmm. What are the characteristics of that that you would want to look for? Okay. And then two, can you call that kind of relationship, if it's healthy, can you legitimately call it a friendship? Or does yes. friendship exclude a relationship like that? Does it have to okay. be two-sided? Does it have to
1: be too reciprocated? That could yeah.
0: easily be its own episode. So, yeah, certainly. Um, so well, this not be well, a two-parter.
1: Well, let's start at the first part, and, uh, <clears throat> which is funny because I'm a little bit older than you, but some, in a lot of ways I, I've managed to, unfortunately, be a little bit more embedded in our generation broadly than you have so i think i could like speak for the youth in some sense <laughs> that you can't even though I, even though i'm a couple years older but uh
0: it's that public school for the last two years oh that
1: goodness school. no it's probably just weakness in general <laughs> um that yeah this is uh, this is a great <clears throat> this is a great topic um so you don't want to approach you, you don't want to start out by trying to really do you want to just start with when we say friendship well, you're maybe not even talking about friendships, just relationships.
0: We're, we're going to talk about the Those, relationships, okay? Excellent, and then talk
1: about if that's a friendship, if that yeah. could be considered a friendship or not. Okay. So, uh, the first thing that my mind goes to in any of these things is is Marshall McLuhan, which is that the the medium is the message. Okay. And so, my when I start wanting to pick apart these things, because you know, a vlog versus a podcast versus a book right, and even within the books, the different forms of the books, those are all, those all affect the way that you're interacting with that person. Um, so for instance, the degree of immediacy that you can feel, um, and let's see, interpersonal intimacy, we're, we're embodied people. I mean, we're embodied creatures, and that's, that's sort of just a baseline fact, should enter into pretty much every conversation about people. And so say, for instance, the difference between being able to see someone's body and not see their body being able to hear someone's voice and not hear someone's voice, those are those are going to inherently impact the relationship. So I think that right there is one thing that you're going to start with. Sort of my basic response is one, you can definitely form very real relationships with one sided relationships with people across the spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. I think well, you can form one-sided relationships with people that you see in person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, <laughs> right. So, so one-sidedness is—you know—as soon as you—as soon as you walk into the world of one-sided relationships, it's very. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, all sorts of things. I'm going to throw some things out, and you could maybe we can pick up some threads that you find are interesting. I mean, the first one I think about is, well, what's a relationship like with God? Right, because mm-hmm. there is a, is, it's how is it ones how is it like a one-sided relationship, and how is it not? So that'd be one. Um, the next one would be the connection that people feel with with ancient art, which I think is really interesting. So, um, mm. like, the really, really old cave paintings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, whatever people put them at, 15,000 years old or whatever. I don't know. Way, way past any written records. We'll put it that way. And people look at it, and they there's this... The reason we give our attention to it is because people are shocked that they can find this degree of connection with someone who lived in arguably the most unimaginably different circumstances as possible, which tells you a lot about the continuity of human beings. Um, but that there is that sort of feeling of relationship there. Um, so those are, there's sort of, let's say metaphysical distance, maybe, maybe not. There's, there's time distance and we, we certainly seem to be able to form relationships like that in either direction. So
0: let let me okay. narrow a little bit. Narrow down for me if you can. Yeah. What I what I would like to talk about, because what you're talking about, I think, are these connections that we feel to people, and
1: and you want to you want to first of all you want to say that's different from a
0: relationship. It's different from a relationship. Okay. So what I'm particularly interested in are these okay. one sided yeah. relationships where the person who is invested in it. Feels like they know the other person, so okay. I think so. That we l- can let's look talk at about what, cave what, paintings. Yeah, and feel a connection yeah. without feeling like I know those cavemen.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me. I'll bring up something that um, is in a conversation between John Vervaeke, Jonathan Peugeot, and Jordan Peterson, which I thought was really excellent. Where John Vervaeke is talking about communication. That's what it was. He's talking about communication between two people. And he said, okay, so you've got to, There, things have to happen. And and it's easiest to see this in marriage. Things have to happen. If you don't talk at all, you can't cooperate because you don't know what needs to be done. You don't know what the other person's doing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But if you talk all the time, nothing gets done. (laughs) So there's this negotiation in that relationship. How much do you talk and how much do you do? What's interesting though is that over time, the more time you spend with someone doing things and recalibrating by talking, speaking and doing, you end up doing what he calls... He says you build a mental model of the other. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really like that language because it, it lands us too much sort of in computer world in terms of... But Dante <laughs> I mean, and it's Charles... A com-
0: it's a computery way of saying you get to know what the other person is like. <laughs> yes.
1: So, but... Okay, but... But what the reason that I like Verveke's way of talking about it is because when I hear the phrase "get to know what someone is like," I immediately think of like personality traits, likes and dislikes, sort of like life facts like when their birthday is, where they mm. went to school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what Verveke is talking <laughs> the, about
0: the things <laughs> that c s. Lewis says that friends aren't interested in
1: yeah- exa- <laughs> yeah, okay, right well and it, yeah, and it, those are really in some sense only a medium for the relationship they're mm-hmm. they're just they're they're fuel to it and as much as they're anything it's we want a connection and like knowing your birthday happens to be a way of us getting there but anyway that aside what i like about Verveki, the way Verveki talks about that is is that when that's really sophisticated between two people you actually no longer need to consult that other person about a lot of things mm-hmm. because you know what they would do and you know what they would say and so i see this with my wife shopping at first you know i'd get home and she'd be like Ted, I wish that you had done X and done Y and done Z because, you know, here's the reasons why. And now almost every time I go shopping and I have to make six or seven different decisions because something wasn't there or whatever. She's always like, oh, that was perfect. That's exactly what I would have done.
0: hmm
1: Because not because, and it's not because I've like learned to shop better. It's because I know how my wife shops. Mm-hmm. And so that, this is where I'm starting to go. Okay. So then, so that's, that's my wife and I live with her and I talk with her and I can recalibrate and, you know, and do all these things that, that allow that sort of, that, in- that my interior, my interior wife, I have my interior wife. Right. <laughs> yes. And, and just as an aside that I think would be really helpful for this, going back to the summer that I spent at Brie, there was a, one of the workers there was writing a book on the 10 commandments and he was talking about the, he was, so he was thinking about the 10 commandments a lot and sort of. And trying to expand them as much as he could. And the, the issue of making graven images and bowing down before them, he presented as food for thought. Is it maybe possible that holding up your model of a, your idea of a person as against the realities it's expressed to you is a form of idolatry? Can you bow down before the graven image in yourself of another person?
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. So now, so that's, that's my wife. Now, You've probably got this, too. There are a few writers where I can think of how they would think about things that they've never encountered. C.S. Lewis is a really easy one for me. I sort of, or D.K. Chesterton. There's sort of like the, the Chesterton switch. Mm-hmm. He does this little thing a lot of the times where he'll take something and he'll flip it generally in a very poetic way. And there's the, it's sort of like the Chesterton flip, you know, his, like his metaphor of, um, you know, the, mis- the, the Christian mysteries. As being the thing that you can't look at but illuminates the world, mm-hmm. okay, that's the sun. And then he says, "The moon, on the other hand, you can stare at and see perfectly clearly, and it illuminates nothing." You're like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then he says, "And that's probably why we call madmen lunatics." Hmm. That's a little Chesterton switch, and I've and I've 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 seen myself do that many times, and I generally feel pretty clever when I do. <laughs> Whether or not I really contributed anything, I don't know, but I feel clever when I do. But it's like. But it's not, that's not like something I have a proclivity to. So it's, that's interesting. And then I think about that and I think about, I, I'm kind of idiosyncratic in the way that I think and talk. And my various friends throughout life have, adult life, have actually said the same thing about me that they've said, oh, I said like, a, I said a very Ted thing mm-hmm. or I knew what you would have said in this situation, and I said it to that person. Yeah. So there's this sort of, apparently, I'm also being carried around inside of other people, which is very weird to think about. Generally, it's my best parts, which is great. I'm really <laughs> thankful for it. So, okay, so so then you're quite... Is that the kind of thing you you might be talking about? Okay,
0: so let let's go there, because it seems to me like it may come down, I'm just throwing this out there, I'm thinking of this for the first time, Yeah. that part of it may come down to the kind of, let's use the language of model, that you're building of the other person in your head. great. And so if what you are internalizing from that person is something like this is how that person thinks, this is how they would respond to this situation, then it really does seem like you're gaining something from that. Mm-hmm. but what i think often happens in something like a one-sided relationship with a celebrity is either you learn everything that there is to know about that person without mm-hmm. gaining some sort of new insight on the world which is really what a friend gives you right they give you yes new, yes or new ways of of thinking or a shared experience or something like that or a the other way I think it can go really badly wrong is a sense of possession of the other person. Like okay, you that's feel like interesting. You, yeah, you own that person in some way. <laughs> well, that's
1: that's <coughs> that's really interesting because particularly when you're talking about parasocial relationships,
0: <coughs> which is what I am talking about.
1: I think that I think it's the other way around. I think people tend to be much more possessed by the person.
0: But I'm talking about how they feel.
1: How they feel? Yes. Well. That immediately sounds very hellish, in which both sides think <laughs> they possess the other. Yes, and it's like, oh, all right, you know, which sort of, yeah, you know, in the most in the most per- warped sense, you have the souls eating each other at the bottom of hell, and, and the mm-hmm. Divine Comedy, you know, this sort of, this sort of cyclical, and, and you know, there really is something to this in celebrity, and I'm, I'm I'm not trying to make a pot shot here or anything, but there's this, you know, I think of, uh, we we've talked about this, I think, just the two of us recently, that. Um, in Lost in the Cosmos by Walker Percy, he talks about consumerism as this, as this attempt to derive meaning from a new thing. And he has this very vivid image of you kind of you go and get the new thing and then it, it's imbued with meaning for a little while and you kind of suck the meaning out of it and then it's this husk and you throw it away and you go on to the next thing. And then there's this sort of like mutual aspect of this within celebrity. That's part of what it is, right? Who are the celebrities? They're people that give their atten- we give our attention to and most of the time that's be- not because of some intrinsic quality, but because they're in the world of famousness. And so they're all sort of just feeding on each other's famousness in a real sense. Why is so-and-so famous? Well, it's because they're dating this other famous person. Mm -hmm. And so there's this sort of, they're all just kind of eating each other in that way because they're also vying for attention. And and so I don't want to get, we can go there, we can go talk about the relationship between celebrity and attention if we need to. But um, so you're saying, you think that part of the difference is in in these other relationships there's just you're you're gaining something from it And in there's a revelation involved in these other relationships whereas in maybe in a parasocial relationship it, it can you can you remind me exactly what you said you thought is going on there what why why do you think why do you think people are engaging in those relationships those para, para, in parasocial relationships well
0: we haven't actually talked about that
1: okay well i will i will I've thought about this a lot and part. So my, my, just so you know, my, my main experience with parasocial relationships is, is twofold. One, there was a vlogger that I watched his, his vlogs for maybe two months one time uh, when I was, when I was overseas. And then a lot of agriculture, I've watched a lot of agricultural videos and some of them are done in this format. And so, uh, I think I do think you have to get into friendship. I think cuz I think that in, in one case someone who someone who presents a well part of it is that when you when you when you're talking about something like vlogging versus say a cor- a writer's corpus in the in the case of the writer's corpus they're they're presenting you with what they have written. In the case of an object of a parasocial relationship they're presenting you with a facsimile, a a simulacrum of themselves. Mm. Simulacrum is a word I came across recently, and I think it's great for this context. They are presenting a simulacrum of themselves, and a a friend of mine who does who does part of what he does is he makes videos about butchering animals and curing meat and things. We've talked a lot about this, and he feels that there's like there's this need to. They can generate more content. A lot of guys who do things like him make these videos about like their family life and their farm and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And I've really pushed him to not, mostly because the only reason that I I like what he does, the main reason I like what he does is because he's presenting information to me. He's presenting a way of looking at the world. He's presenting me with abilities. He's presenting me with history, and so on and so forth. And I don't want him to give. I don't think he should be, like, offering his life up for people to attach themselves to.
0: Here's something interesting okay. in that context, though. I learned this from skimming the Wikipedia page on personal relationships. <laughs> You've got so some real, it's a real experience
1: here, yeah. <laughs> but
0: the thing that caught my attention maybe the most, like, w- what I hadn't thought about at all, a lot of it was just, you know, I don't know, lists of different types of figures that yeah. people engage in these with. But... People have done some studies with children with unfamiliar, basically cartoon characters Mm -hmm. and familiar ones. Mm -hmm. People learn better from figures that they feel like they know in these studies. Yeah. And so I think their part of it may be, actually, you know this person in real life. Yes.
1: Which is funny because I knew him first, and I had a parasocial relationship with him first. Yes. So I've had the, I have had but the probably um, <laughs> very, very rare experience of a a pure parasocial relationship turning into an actual friendship, an
0: actual friendship, which is
1: is strange. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, but I think that there's also a relevance question, and again, yeah. you know, we yeah. keep veering towards friendship. So one of the things that C.S. Lewis t- says about friends is that a friendship is always about something. Other types mm-hmm. of loves mm-hmm. and relationships don't really, they aren't really about things. Like they're just from close contact or you fall in love with someone, but a friendship yes. is always about something. Well, so my, my, cri- my criticism a- <laughs> of,
1: my criticism of that is that he just narrows, he narrows that down way too much. I mean, he, well, he,
0: he does. Yeah.
1: Cause your friendship can be about your friendship as long as it's not consciously about your friendship.
0: <laughs> right, but I think that that's what happens when it starts to when you go into the territory of like I'm gonna talk about my family life just so that you feel like you
1: know yes. me. Then yeah. it starts to be yeah. about
0: knowing the person instead of about yeah your shared interests or experiences or whatever.
1: Okay, so this is hold on. Okay, can I can I I want to interject here and this I think this will be really relevant. So I. One of the things that I have found that's so interesting to me is I am, I am, I've done a a lot of blue collar work considering my life circumstances. I've been on a surprising amount of blue collar work. And what I have found is, is that when you, so this, I don't know if this extends beyond the realm of like really rough male work, but when you go and you start working on something with another person. It almost doesn't matter how different they are than you. Like they can almost not speak the same language. No, no shared interest, no shared education, no shared life experiences. And then you start cutting down trees together or cutting up a cow together or doing whatever it is or painting a house together. All of a sudden there's a, you have formed a relationship Mm -hmm. and you can communicate. You have a, there's a, there's a, and so I don't know what it is, but it is it is actually shocking how quickly that can form Hmm. sometimes within an hour. You're like someone I could never, it it would be, we we wouldn't have five words to share together. And then you go and you do something. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, we know each other somehow. And part of that too, I I, I think particularly like the, the tree work that I did, there is, well, even in butchering too, it's like, there's something about moving around another person's body. When you're working. And knowing that you can trust where they're going to be.
0: Hmm.
1: which there, And so part of the reason I bring this up is... to, In my mind, this is the opposite of a parasocial relationship. In fact. Because it has almost nothing to do with who either of you are.
0: Mm-hmm. But it has
1: everything to do with the fact that you are both... In the flesh. there, engaged in the same activity at the exact same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, maybe... I don't know if that will cast any, any light on it. At all. Maybe it'll, it's something we can come back to. But... I think that's really interesting to me that to have, I've had that experience many, many times. Um, so do you think, so C.S. Lewis's idea that a friendship has to be about something. Do you think that it is fundamentally an issue that parasocial, well, I don't know. Anyway, maybe pick pick that thread up again. I'm sorry if I, if I derailed things, but I think, I think, I'm I'm hoping we, that'll that'll come back in and be really useful. Um what thread? The thread of of Cs Lewis's idea of friendship being about a shared um some shared thing. That's not the friendship. It can't just be like we're going to be friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go
0: let's go back to one-sided relationships it, specifically. Okay. What I think can make them I don't know, maybe it's about illusion that that they seem to one person to be built on shared experiences. Yes. And the other yeah. person is completely unaware that maybe unaware that the other person exists. Uh, yes. And yeah. so
1: Well, certainly if they're dead. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, well, we don't know about consciousness in the afterlife. <laughs>
1: yeah, but pre- presumably, presumably, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so if one person, if we need terms for these people,
1: uh, yeah, there's a. That's a, that's a great. I don't want to use like subject object or. Er. Let's use let's use I and thou. That's got a that's got a storied history, but I and thou. So the I is the person who's looking. And the thou is, is, the I is the person who's the one-sided relationship, and the thou is the person they're looking at. Okay. Does that work? We'll try it out. We'll try it. Okay. Okay.
0: So, the I thinks that there are these shared experiences. hmm Even if the I knows that there aren't, it feels like they are.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: The thou has no awareness of the other person. Yes. Is it a problem necessarily that the eye is under that illusion.
1: Well, that's okay. So that's interesting because there's, there's two, there's two aspects of it. One is that the thou may or may not know that the eye exists, Mm -hmm. but the thou can't communicate. So it's less actually about awareness as it is about the direction of communication So, sort of in the...
0: Wait, the thou is the only one communicating.
1: Oh. Yes. Okay, they can't respond. The thou can communicate, but can't respond. There's no response. Okay. There's communication without response. And there's... And on the part of the I, there is reception without communication. So, I don't think... Well, yeah. I would say, first of all, I think that you... I think we have to recognize... Off the bat, it's not necessarily wrong. I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go. The main reason being that this is just how society exists. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, to talk about how anomalous our world is, well, it's not even anomalous. We live. We are embedded in hierarchies of eyes and thous. So, for instance, political leaders, whether they're monarchies or democracies or whatever form of, they're a thou. Mm-hmm. And so you have a one-sided relationship with that person. You may not feel or you may not feel any particular connection to them, but there's there's definitely a causal relationship there, and you're aware of them to a greater or lesser degree as a person, and you have thoughts and feelings about how they are as an individual and not just as their office. And they generally have no idea that, you know, they have all the qualities of a thou, and that is the President of the United States ever going to get receive any direct communication from me? No. He's not, no matter who who he is. So, I and I, I think that society is intrinsically structured that way. Mm-hmm. To be organized in a hierarchy of fi- a hierarchy of finite beings requires that type of relationship all the time. Whether it is whether it's formal political ones, formal social ones, informal ones in terms of just the social hierarchies of of attention and 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 fame and all of those things. Just it's just how I'm gonna. I think that is how reality is organized. Now, what it, can it be pathological? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, it can be pathological. What's crazy? That, okay, so you you would find this interesting too. Um, I was I, had a, I was having a conversation with a, a fellow parishioner and he was bringing up. You know, we were talking sort of about what are things that have really seem to have changed, seem to be particular about this modern moment, and he was saying one is is that
0: changed since when?
1: Since the rest of history. Okay. That makes now an anomaly. Ah. And one of the things he was saying is, is he was presenting that our, so we have a capacity and max, and this is also pertinent. We have a maximum capacity for how many people we can be aware of having a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some term for it.
0: What is yeah, that I called? Know, it's like hundred, you know, the
1: whole, like you can have a, you can, you can know about 150 people. Yeah. So because we have access to so many people horizontally, we don't go down. We don't, and so most people, it, we've replaced any like back aware backwards awareness of people before us, whether it's, you know, say intellectually or religiously or just familially, because there's now so much horizontally to hold our attention. Now I don't know if,
0: hmm.
1: so, so that's interesting because one of the things that I would say one of the things that you're that that, that keeps coming up here is looking back at people who have written things. Or painted things, or written music, or whatever, or or these various sort of, per, I don't want to say, artifacts of themselves. I don't want to say that in a negative sense, but artifacts of themselves.
0: Ar- artifact in a sense of something made.
1: Something made, yeah, That, but that also has a real correspondence to who they are.
0: Okay.
1: So there's, there's going back through artifacts, and then there's going across with media,
0: mm-hmm. with
1: current media. And those... At, at a basic level, those are vying for our attention all the time, you know, because we're, we have a limited amount of attention. So if I, if I put all of my thought into say, right, you, you haven't, you don't, you had to go and look at the Wikipedia page about Parasol's relationships. So it's like, well, how much attention are you giving to those now? You're not following any vloggers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume it's okay if you are, you can tell me, <laughs> you don't have to tell me on record though. I don't, though.
0: But I don't I, know that I could identify a vlog. <laughs> sure. So, so,
1: but I listen to a few podcasts. Now what's interesting about the podcast is that I listen to those when I'm driving. So that's not really vying for my attention in terms of versus reading, say reading a book. Although I guess I could listen to an audiobook. but if in the limited amount of time that I have to give attention to things, I, I'm, I'm trading between these. So there's a sense in which there, well, okay, let me, let me, let me present this. Do you, do you think that it's different? Do you think it is different when you look back at something that's complete? So like Tolkien's writing or Dante's writing, it's a, it is a, here it is. It's done. It's not changing in that sense. Versus someone who's currently producing podcasts. There's something new every week.
0: Mm, that's an interesting point. Okay, so you're always... There's there's something extra... Sticky, maybe, yes. about a situation where you, you Well, there's, feel it's novelty. Like,
1: there's novelty, right?
0: Right. There's always the expectation that something else is coming.
1: Well, okay, so that's... Yes, that's interesting, right? Because then, then, if you want to talk about friendship as being this shared... There's this sort of shared revelation involved in friendship. Dante, one, I'm either in awe of his genius that he's able to speak to me across 700 years or I have to work for it versus, say, a podcaster who is interested in the same things as me. Something pops up in the news and he talks about the thing I'm talking about. Right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden... So it's a lot easier, for one thing, It's a lot easier to have that feeling of connection. It's stickier. It is because, hey, you're living in my world too. Even if we don't actually cross paths, I can tell that you're in my world. In some sense. Or I'm in your world. I don't know.
0: But when we have real life friends, they're in our world too. It's not a sign of unhealthiness.
1: Uh, no, it's not. Well, the okay, expectation
0: so- of something new is part of friendship, too. Like, you look forward to seeing someone.
1: Excellent. Oh, so, okay, so I, I think I've got my first point about how do we, how, you know, if we're looking at this and saying, is it, is it good? I don't know if good is right. is it dangerous? Maybe is it, is it be- mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: How, how much does it? look like a reciprocal relationship. I'm wondering is there some sort of like is it good to be buffered in these relationships? Is it good that you have to work for it? Mm-hmm. is there is there something about the more immediate it feels? So I think about things like this there are there's been a whole bunch of work with chat bots for a long time. They're getting really, really good. and one of the things that people can that researchers can do is they can take um, a corpus of one person's writings. Generally, the easiest is if you can, like, say, get all of their messengers from Facebook Messenger if they use it all the time, and they can train the algorithm to imitate that style of of texted conversation. There's
0: never going to be a chatbot that sounds like me. Then
1: there isn't. Yeah. There, <laughs> no well, well, I mean, no, and and no one would ever know because <laughs> no one knows what it's like when you get on Facebook Messenger. But but because all of these things have to be commercialized, right? What are we gonna do with it? Here is the idea. Okay, say you, you take a really popular band, um, let's say like uh, Coldplay. Okay, they're you know mega popular international band.
0: Yeah, and I've heard of Coldplay.
1: Great. Okay, so Coldplay. <laughs> so then you make the Coldplay chatbot. So you've got these Coldplay fans who have some sense of a parasocial relationship with it. If they're you know super fans, right? They know that they know the band members' names. They know what they look like. They know what they sound like. They've listened to interviews of them. They've watched recordings of performances, maybe live performances. They've they've been, they listen to their music all the time, which boy, that'll get stuff into you, mm-hmm. right? You listen to their lyrics a whole lot, assuming they actually write their own lyrics. So then the idea is, well, we want to drive fan engagement. So we're going to create a, a chatbot that can text with people in a style that is like Coldplay. Now, because the whole issue is of attention. The whole reason that hierarchies produce these one-way relationships is because of attention. Mm-hmm. I can... When you look up the hierarchy, there's not that many people relative down to the bottom. That's just how it is. And so Coldplay cannot respond to everyone that would like to talk to them. by Because they're like, what? Five guys? Six guys? It's just, it's just completely impossible to. But when... So then you take... So then the idea is let's distill whatever it is that makes them Coldplay then put this into this thing that has quasi-limitless attention,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now you create this. This again, we're coming. I'm coming back to this word. This simulacrum of a but a of a reciprocal relationship with them, which is very strange. I, so here's here's my okay. Here's something that I'm going to present, which is that <clears throat> you are we are in, let's say, more danger of a pathological one-way relationship, the closer it approximates an actual reciprocal relationship. So, so this is one of the reasons that something like a, a vlog is intrinsically more likely to form those patterns than, uh, C.S. Lewis's books Mm -hmm. because that, so it's something that I'm coming to. It has this, there's something new, at at some interval I can see the person I know what their voice is like I have I have a sensate experience that's a lot like them talking to me which is say a reproduction of them on a screen talking to making eye contact with me and talking to me um all of these things it's really weird when I when I started to put it that way it sounds so weird it's like we're getting as close as possible to it feeling like you're sitting down in the room and having a conversation with them without that coming close to being at all close to coming true. You sort of had this like ghost version of them. That's like, here you get the ghost and you get the ghost and you get the ghost and you get the ghost. Mm-hmm. And you're really no closer than you ever were to actually sitting down with that person and talking to them. Why is that? Well, is that bad? And if it is bad, why is that bad? Why is it? What, what's going on there? That's making that a, a, maybe a dangerous thing. Cause we haven't really talked about why it would be pathological. We've sort of just been doing a little bit of a, maybe of a taxonomy of these things, but is that, is that, is that good? Is it okay?
0: <laughs> my gut instantly says no.
1: Okay. Well, but sure. My well, brain's having yeah. a
0: little bit harder time figuring out why my gut is so, you know, strongly against that. Um, I guess that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, so, all right, let's, let's bring Aristotle into it then. What's the end of friendship? What's the end of, or human relationships? It doesn't even have to be friendship. What's the, what is the end of, of human relationships?
0: Well, are we going full on Aristotle, or are we going to update him with Christianity?
1: Well, we can update him to Christianity. <laughs> okay. Using Aristotle's framework. <laughs> no, please bring St. Thomas Aquinas into this. Always, always good. <laughs>
0: Well, it's, it's the beatific vision. It's, Or if we go Westminster Catechism, it is to glorify God and enjoy him forever.
1: Excellent. Which are the same. Yes. <laughs> so, so when you, when you look at, then you look at, okay, so there's, oh man, there's just so much, it, it's one of these things that immediately just explodes into almost everything.
0: Okay. This is kind of changing the subject. Um. Not really, but we're going, going a different direction because there was something that was at the back of my mind through a lot of what you were saying and suddenly it clicked into a comparison of something. Okay. In the beatific vision, everyone is involved in it simultaneously. Yes. To the extent that you can even say that meaningfully it, outside of time. To the time, degree
1: you know. to which simultaneity <laughs> is, yeah, is worth saying. Yeah.
0: And God is infinite. Yes. So there's no limit on that enjoyment. Yes. In human relationships.
1: Oh, that's really weird. Okay.
0: (laughs) There is a finiteness, even in real friendships, like the healthiest friendships. I don't know if you've ever experienced this at a friend's wedding. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, everyone that they care about is there. And it feels like you have this tiny little slice of that person. And it's a very different experience from your normal interactions, yes. because yeah, yeah, because absolutely. normally it's you and maybe a few other people, you know, maximum. <laughs> Boy, like, if, you, if you want <laughs> to find out. At, a, at a party, yes, but, and if
1: you want to but, find out if you want to find out how much you loved them and how much you are deriving life from the fact that you think they belong to you, experiences like that will really show you. They really will. I've had a couple of times where I thought, oh my goodness, you know. How much do I love this person? How much am I like, oh, they're mine. Like, they give me things I want. And so uh-huh. when they stop doing that because now there's 30 people that they care about just as much as me in the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of a sudden I'm in this, you know, this sort of competitive relationship with all of these people.
0: Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it uh, from the flip side is that there's nothing fake about the other side of it either. When you it, when it is just, the, you know, you and your friend. Yes. That's a real thing right. as well.
1: right. So, okay. So maybe that's one way to one. When things, what does C.S. Lewis say? Through the through, from, have Mister Beaver say anything that looks like a human and isn't, or is going to be human, and isn't yet, and used or used to be human and isn't anymore. Yeah, don't trust. <laughs> don't trust them. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, it's so great. So it's okay. Well when you brought up the idea of the beatific vision and there's this this direct perception, this direct intellection of God, God God is in us, we are in God, and there is an infinite and totally personal relationship with him in that. What I immediately thought is, oh, okay, so are all of these vlogs this sort of twisted beatific vision where one person or one group of people is presenting themselves in this totally one-to-one relationship with a million people, with 10 million people, with 60 people, it doesn't really matter. But there's, that isn't real.
0: It isn't real. And and two things come to mind. Yes, it is sort of an illusion of infinity. But two, it's not appealing because it's an illusion of infinity. It's yeah. appealing because it's an illusion of personality, of personalness. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So, one of the, and, and so you could look at that and you can say, well, is this good or bad? And I'd say, well, well, the first thing is if relationships are good, are good in our lives, then I just, I just, yeah, I just think, wow, we need to come back to this and talk about why, um, say mutualness or reciprocity is so important. Cause that's kind of the, to, to my mind, that's still the big elephant in the room.
0: Mm-hmm. What's
1: the difference between a reciprocal relationship and a non-reciprocal relationship? But but given that we're all in agreement that reciprocal relationships are a good, it is, we're limited, we have finite attention, we have finite time, and the more that you fill your life with non-reciprocal relationships, the less reciprocal relationships you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think that there is, an, going back to the, the difference in media, um, when, I, when I really engaged with a writer, and I've got that sort of, that mental he I've I've been in othered right? I've got and I've got a little version of him or her in me. Mm-hmm. And like and they they give me something. I don't know if I could defend this philosophically, but very easily practically, that is a blessing to the people around me. When I engage with these like a quasi-friendship, it's not. It doesn't, it's it's a it's a replacement of my actual embodied relationships or it doesn't even have to be my, my, I don't want to say embodied because you can carry out, say, written relationships with people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With my reciprocal relationships. It's a, it is, it's a an intrinsically competitive place with my reciprocal relationships. Whereas, for for instance, this is partially why, which I think is really interesting. So Milton, I haven't read Paradise Lost in years. And yet I've still got that in me. And it still comes out Still so comes out of my conversations with people still blesses people that it's in there so it's not like i like milton keeps saying hey man i need your time or i came out there's like this new milton thing to watch or to look at or to think about mm-hmm. to take my attention i've got all this good stuff from milton inside of me and now it goes out and it and it and that that the distribution of beauty goes passes through me i'm I heard this term was like the Dionysian hierarchy of the distribution of beauty, which I don't know what it is, but it sounds great. It was a a Thomas talking about where, how much, how high on that hierarchy banjos rank. (laughs) Um, But does that make sense? It's a non. I so I think that that might be part of it. Is yes, yes, you can do the thing where you spend all of your time reading and you never talk to people, but the the tendency of your, your I thou relationships with the thou as, as as an author, is almost always one that is beneficial to the reciprocal relationships that you exist in. I think you can, in as much as it's a, let me put it this way, your your I thou relationships with, with say with writers with, or with the dead, is. Um it's beneficial if it's if it's a real friendship if it's centered around some revelation of reality, whereas I think that your i think the parasocial relationships as they're understood are intrinsically competitive with your existing reciprocal relationships because they draw on the same things that you have in limited supply, which is your time and attention mm-hmm. do you do you think that, I don't I don't want to present that as in any way all encompassing of trying to figure all this stuff out, but do you think that's at least like at least some way to start to try to distinguish between those two sets, maybe.
0: So the one is some sort of learning revelatory mm-hmm. relationship. The other is a substitute.
1: Yes. For, yes. for your other
0: relationships, and and it's not necessarily a media divide either. Um, the thing right. that comes yeah. to mind, I think I've told you about this, is the example that Alan Jacobs uses in his book "Breaking Bread with the Dead" about reading old books. Yes. Of which the man who went and dug up Troy, and if you, by
1: the way, if this is something that you're <laughs> interested, you should just read it at all. Just read <laughs> Alan Jacobs' book. It's great, and it's a lot about this. It's it's less should you, and more about. How we do this with dead people, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: through books. That they yeah. Um, or books about them mm-hmm. written by, you know, people a long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy who went and dug up Troy and became completely obsessed with the Greeks. And yeah. talk about yes. substituting relationships. He divorced his wife so that he could marry a Greek woman.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so that, Okay. <laughs> That is interesting. Okay, so he has an I-thou relationship with mythical Greece. Yes. So it's not a person. It's something else, which is very strange. And so then it comes in and my preferred language here would be it invades his life. It possesses him. He becomes possessed by the idea of ancient Greece. And it, I mean, it eats his life. hmm Right. <laughs> Wait. Oh. No. Now we're starting to get into Borges territory here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: That's that's a great point. What was his? Do you remember his name off the top of your head? What was his uh, name?
0: I think that was Heinrich Schliemann.
1: That sounds right. Yeah, that that's a great example. And so, and and I think I. What's interesting is, well, there's all sorts of interest. You can this stuff is so fractal too, which I find fascinating because then you can then you have these weird things where, uh, say, for instance you have a, a I-thou relationship with an author, and what happens a lot of the time is that you then go on to form real reciprocal relationships with people over your mutual love of that author mm-hmm. or that writing. So, you know, and, I, and, and, then, and then there's the added thing of fandoms, which is much more in the Heinrich Schle- Schliemann. Schliemann realm, where we're both trying to imbo- inhabit this non-real world together, and so we've got this mutual project Of sort of, I vowing this other thing, and so I want you to help me enter into that, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is very. There's sort of these like eddy pools and weird and weird fractal currents to this. I was like, oh yes, this is good. Oh, that's really not good. Like, don't go over there. Um, And but but I think, which is really interesting, because then you think, okay, well, why is it that I can form a friendship with someone who say. Has read a whole lot of C.S. Lewis. It's like, well, because there's that part of me that I got from reading Lewis that's already in them, mm-hmm. and so there's actually this immediacy there. There's there's a real immediacy of, and I would I would make a distinction. This is different from the shared experience of watching media together. And I've had the, I've heard this from my wife and other friends who've been in in, in higher education recently, when people of our generation stop, you know, say working on the class or whatever. Generally what they talk about is media that they've watched and it's, they don't really talk about it. They just compare it. Hey, did you watch X show? Yes, I did. Oh, well, what about Y show? And there's not anything to, they don't ever really talk about it. And I think the reason is it's essentially saying, I, I say this because I think it's in, to make it sound better and worse at the same time. I think they're saying, have you had the same experiences as me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they say, yes, I have. It's like, oh, okay. Now, why is it that you can't say anything about it? That's a great question. We're not <laughs> going to talk about that right now. But here's, here's where I want to go with this. So what happens is with anyone, I think, would you, okay, let me, let me put this as a question first. Would, do you buy the Vervakian idea that when you get to know someone, whether it's in a reciprocal relationship or a non-reciprocal or a one directional relationship, that you have something of them in you. So you. Call it a model, a spirit, an idea of them. There's a the, the pattern that you have some grasp of the pattern of that person's pattern.
0: I'm not. I'm not prepared to talk about it as an actual entity. You don't need to. But you don't need to. But absolutely, it changes you in some way, and I think it changes you in some way that generally makes you more like the other person. And I think that's what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that you can take this in a direction that is really, really interesting to me. So then what happens? I, I'm sorry when I say that as if, as if this hasn't all been interesting to me, <laughs> this has all been interesting to me. Let me, let me, let me say that a lot better. I think you could take this in a way that it becomes uh, deadly important and that is when you start thinking about your, our relationship with Christ and what that means, because all of a sudden you're, <clears throat> you're saying, well, again, to go back to the question of the relationship, can, can you have a, is it, is it okay to have those kinds of relationships say so it must be, because that is what a relationship with Christ is like in many ways. So he's not, he's not there across from me speaking to me in real time, Right. He communicates to me in these ways, but it's not in the same way that I'm communicating with you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But what that means is, is that I think in the same way, to me, to me, this is, well, to me, this is really enlightening in the same way that I can look and I can say, all right, I've got C.S. Lewis in me somehow. I've got my wife in me somehow. I've got my friend Parker in me somehow. That can happen to me with Christ. And that
0: is our next episode.
1: Excellent.